Will Matt Canada let Kenny Pickett open up the offense more? We talk about that with Mark Caboli of The Athletic here on the Locked On Steelers podcast. I'm your host, Chris Carter. Let's get into it. You are Locked On Steelers, your daily Pittsburgh Steelers podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Steelers podcast. I'm your host, Chris Carter, bringing you your daily dose of all things on the Pittsburgh Steelers. As always, you can find this show on your favorite podcasting apps and on YouTube. Like this video if you enjoy it. Subscribe to this YouTube channel to get all of your daily Monday through Friday episodes as well as our bonus content. We thank you for making the Locked On Steelers podcast your first listen every day because we're your team every day. And as I said before, we're joined by Mark Caboli back on the show. He's been on with us before. Kaboom from The Athletic. You can get all his work there at Mark Caboli on Twitter. Kaboom, it's great to have you back on the show. What's up, Mr. Carter? I'm How doing you been? great. I've been doing great, man. It's it's awesome. This is like our last week of like freedom that we get here uh, before we are just committed to Latrobe for basically a month and a half, and then we're out at uh at training camp, uh, and then the season season's going. But I wanted to get to talk to you a little bit because you wrote an article that got people going, and we even had some people calling in about about it the question about matt canada and kenny pickett i take it to steven who called in from bismarck north dakota saying he, he read your piece let's let's hear from steven hi chris this is steven from uh bismarck north dakota i was reading somewhere that uh uh the steelers have no intentions of opening up the offense for kenny pickett and not letting him call audibles and and whatnot um if this is true, what more from this offense can we really expect this season than last season? Is it really going to be much different? Is it going to be more explosive, or is it going to be much the same? Uh, thank you. Thanks for taking the time to listen. Thank you, Steve. Remember, you can always call in to our call-in line here with 412-223-6644. Leave your name, where you're from, and uh, keep your question under a minute. We'll get you on the show. And if you donate at least $10 to the Cystic Fibrosis Foundation campaign we have going, which you have the QR code on screen and the link attached to this podcast, you will be guaranteed to get your question heard on air. Mark, that was your article he was talking about as far as hearing that. And you didn't make that up. You quoted Matt Canada. Can you break us down what Matt Canada is talking about, how this offense is going to look this year. Yeah, you know, it was very interesting. It was near the end of OTAs. It might have actually been the last day of minicamp, to be honest with you. So what was that, about a month ago when Canada mm -hmm. talked? And I brought up something. I can't remember the details of it about the offense. And he basically went into this of saying that he was pretty much ordered currently to run an offense the certain way. And if it wasn't, if it was up to him, he wouldn't of uh, design it that way. And when you add that to uh, Art Rooney, Mike Tomlin, saying they want to be a run physical team first, mm -hmm. it was a very interesting way of bringing up, Matt, with Matt Canada bringing up the fact that, you know, he doesn't think he's going to be allowed to run the offense the way Ooh. he sees fit. And that's a different, I mean, Mike Canada usually pretty tight to the vest, usually doesn't say stuff like that. So, what all indications are pointing to is that they are want to be, I mean, not only from what Matt Canada and Matt Tomlin said, but how they even address their roster and how who they drafted and who they brought in from free agency is they want to be that physical 
run first offense, then play off of that with play action. They don't mm-hmm. necessarily want to be a team that says, Kenny Pickett, go throw the ball 50 times a game. However, if we need you to throw the ball 50 times a game, then you'll be able to do that. So I think what they're trying to say is they want to be versatile. Uh, They want to be a team that can control the ball. Basically like last year, basically like the the Duck and Mason years where they just don't want to screw it up on offense, but a higher level of offense – to go along with that defense. So that's what it looks like right now. I don't think we're going to go out there and see Kenny Pickett throwing the ball 40 times a game if it was up to them. They're going to use that, you know, revamp left side of the offensive line, Najee and Jalen Warren looking great, run the ball, try to take the shots down the field off of play action and get those chunk plays because they don't want to be on the field 15 plays a game. Uh, a series. They want to be on the field four plays a series, five right. plays a series. So there's less chance of screwing up. But it was interesting how, in my uh, reading of the situation of Mike Matt Canada saying, "Hey, if this doesn't work. This wasn't my idea. It was the <laughs> owner and the coach, brother." <laughs> well, well. So that's the question here, right? Is is this the right approach for the Steelers? Because as much as there's excitement about Kenny Pickett, George Pickens, Pat Fryermuth, Deontay Johnson, George, uh, George uh, you know, Najee Harris, all that crew and, and Broderick Jones and what they're going to bring to the table as far as what they can be this year. This is still a defensively led team. This is still TJ Watt, Cam Hayward, Minka Fitzpatrick, Alex Highsmith. They've added Patrick Peterson. That is where the strength of this team still lies. Do you think this is a wise way to approach this here, or are they limiting themselves? Are they kind of biting their nose despite their face by limiting themselves too much in what a young Kenny Pickett might be able to do with a year of experience under his belt? No, I think they're just being cautious early on. I mean, what they do early on might not mean what they do later on. Which is still a guy. I mean, Kenny Pickett, what do you do? Throw for 300, through what, 293 passes last year? Mm-hmm. Something like that, 300. Uh, 2,400 yards, seven touchdowns. It's not like he has a huge resume that all of a sudden we assume of everything we hear, everything we've seen, and some of those last-minute drives last year that he's capable of taking that huge step. But we don't know until we go out there and see it. We don't know if there's going to be a leveling off period. We don't know if this offensive line is going to gel like they did last year at the half, you know, the back half of the, the year. So to play it safer earlier on in the season, because they have to get off to a good start, Chris. They two, of the last three last, two of the last three years, the starts have just doomed them, especially where mm-hmm. it looks like the later part of the season into December, those last four games are going to be very tough. They, they got to remain in it to find a ways to win. One thing I don't want to see, Chris, is, you know, playing conservative, playing conservative, and say, okay, Kenny, go. We, we trust you with two minutes left. If you're going to trust him with two minutes left, you might as well trust him for with 58 minutes left as well. I think they're going to try at least be able to devise plans weekly that best suits them. So maybe one week you'll see heavy run. Maybe one week you'll see heavy pass type of situations, which puts a lot of pressure on who? Matt Canada. It so does. It's all going to come down to, is he going to be able to take these seven guys you named or whatever, these skill players, and be able to mesh them into a offense that scores more than two touchdowns a game? I don't know. That That is going to be a big thing. One thing I've talked about a lot 
on this show is that this offense was what 26th in the NFL last year because they scored 18.1 points per game. If they can simply just add on four more points per game, which isn't simple, but it would be a good leap And that we're talking about turning the average field goal per game into a touchdown per game. That would jump them up to 22 points per game. And that would have ranked 14th in the NFL last year. Is that something you see possible with the, with the talent they have on the roster and with Matt Canada being the, being the the offensive play caller? Well, it seems we'll put it this way. It seems like they might have the personnel to do it better this year. Mm -hmm. I'm a huge Allen Robinson fan right now, especially red zone, especially slot around the red zone. If Darnell Washington is going to be able to do anything, obviously he's going to be blocking, but he should be able to come open inside the 20 a little bit. Fryermuth didn't catch any touchdowns, I believe, last year. Did he? One or two? He got like two, I think. Yeah, Yeah, Deontay's another one that didn't catch a lot. Mm -hmm. They do have to play better red zone and better third down ball. They're able to do that and add on to those, like you said, those 18 points, in which a lot of those, Chris, came in the second half of the year, too. I mean, that's probably a little skewed number, first half numbers compared to second half numbers. Second half numbers, they actually look like a decent team. But you remember, it wasn't that long ago when Todd Haley was talking about 30 points a game average. <laughs> Just get a fraction of that, and maybe they do have a chance to win 10, 11, 12 games. But they do have – it seems like they have everything on paper. And somewhat that worries me because all it is is on paper. Right. I mean, you know, you can sit there and you draft your Madden team with all 99s or whatever. <laughs> Doesn't quite necessarily mean you're going to win every single game or play well. So uh, there's still something left to be said here, even though they look like they're better here. But I, I still just have to harken back to Matt Canada and how important his role is going to be this year. And I don't know if he's going to get any help. I mean, who's sitting in that room with him devising game plans? There's no Mike Munchak. There, I mean, right. I mean, maybe Eddie Faulkner, maybe Alfredo. Or I don't know how much they would – maybe Sullivan. How much does he listen to? But this is pretty much a Matt Canada show here, and that leash is going to be small for him. Leash as in not organizationally wise, but fans and maybe players wise if things don't work out. Or You know how it happened last year, Chris, early in that season. People in that locker room weren't too thrilled with him. And they could go mm-hmm. to the South in a hurry this year. That's what I worry about a little bit. But, yeah, I mean, name of the game is scoring points and not letting the other team score points. If they do that, I think they'll be all right. I hear you there. Who knows? Maybe maybe the Steelers give help give Matt Canada some help there. I don't know. Mike Sullivan's more of a quarterbacks coach, but they added that guy Glenn Thomas. Maybe there's some position here, some some guys here who help him kind of put yes, together listen, some plays. Though, right? What'd you say? Yes, to listen. He's a notorious yeah, yeah. It, listening, right? That's the whole thing here. And I think it's important to also remember offensive coordinators, they're not just Play call. They are combining all the strengths that they hear from their position coaches to Faulkner with the running backs, Frisman Jackson with the receivers, Pat Meyer with the offensive line, Alfredo Roberts with the tight ends, and Mike Sullivan with the quarterbacks, and putting together this offense. That's a big task. Mark, you're, you're on point. We got we to gotta take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to finish talking about this and get to what else has been going on. Le'Veon Bell jumping into the whole running back debate situation. 
that was crazy. All that and more here on the Locked On Steelers podcast. I'm your host, Chris Carter, here with Mark Caboli today, so don't go anywhere. But first, before we do anything else, I want to talk to you guys about our great sponsors at FanDuel Sportsbook. FanDuel Sportsbook is the number one sportsbook in America, and you can take your first swing at betting on FanDuel Sportsbook with Major League Baseball. And if you do right now, you get 10 times your first bet amount back in bonus bets, and that can be up to $200. That's right. If you bet just 20 bucks, you'll lend $200 back in bonus bets, win or lose. That's $200 that you can spend betting on everything from the money line to over-unders to who you think is going to hit the first home run in the game you're watching tonight. And that's all on an app that's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Plus, when you win, you can get paid instantly. There's no better place to get on Major League Base to bet on Major League Baseball than FanDuel, America's number one sports book. So sign up today and visit FanDuel.com slash locked on to sign up to $200 in bonus bets. And that's FanDuel.com slash locked on. FanDuel, official partner of Major League Baseball. Back here on the Locked On Steelers podcast, I'm your host, Chris Carter, here with Mark Caboli at The Athletic here on the Wednesday edition of the show. Now, Mark, there was, there's been a whole thing. I talked about this with Alan Saunders on, on our Tuesday episode with Najee Harris chiming into the running back debate situation. And there's a lot of running backs. Derek Henry was upset. Christian McCaffrey was everyone saying like, this is they, the NFL needs to figure something out. And, and it, I, I get it from their standpoint. They've kind of just walked in. They, they've, trained to be a running back all their lives and now they're in a position where you know they're getting they're, they're getting they're not getting offers that they think that they should be at different guys and guys like Saquon Barkley and Josh Jacobs are you know feel like they're not getting the offers that they deserve and then there's another guy that chimes in a former NFL running back who by the way seems to be tweeting like he wants to be anything in the NFL again and that's former Steelers running back Le'Veon Bell who tweeted this out Tuesday morning saying Disney a long time ago in 1998 taught me a valuable lesson about sticking together. Go watch A Bug's Life. I'll put it in perspective with the running back market. The running backs are the ants. I'm Flick, which is the inventive ant. Now we're getting too far into this. I, I took all the damage from the grass, grasshoppers, the owners. Le'Veon. <laughs> Stay off the weed because he is going crazy. Now, Mark, all Bug's Life craziness aside with that tweet. There are some, and I think that they have a, a legitimate point here, that say, like, Le'Veon Bell and the way that he handled the running back market when he was with the Steelers could be a very big contributing factor to where we are today. How do you feel about that statement? You covered him, and when he wasn't showing up in 2018 and, and his whole career with the Steelers, how do you feel about the statement that he factors in on the value of the running back market? First, I'd like to say the Bugs Life is by far the worst Pixar movie that was made, so Agreed. it's kind of so funny. Agreed. So it's funny he picked that one. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I, I, just all these running backs in general. It starts with Le'Veon. If I do recall, he was offered three years, forty-seven million dollars by the Steelers, and he turned it down and decided to hold out instead. And uh, I don't know. I think it was some of that was guaranteed, and that's what he was worried about. But if you know anything about the Steelers, they pretty pay, pretty much pay out 90 95% of their contracts anyways. So he was going to get that money anyways. Number two is I don't think Saquon Barkley, Christian McCaffrey, not Christian McCaffrey, Saquon Josh Barkley, Jacobs. Tony Pollard, Josh Jacobs, which, mind you here, two have been hurt. But, wait, Jacobs had one good year, great year. Mm -hmm. Barkley's been hurt for a year and a half, and Pollard has yet to be a number one. And they're all three going to get paid over $10 bucks for this year. So, first of all, I'm not going 
you're not somebody said you're not going to have to go into the uh, government cheese line anytime soon right somewhere you know that's number one so they're they're still getting paid a decent amount of money here but i would like to know what they want to do i mean first of all it's levy on bell if he would have he said he wanted to set the market that's why he kept saying because he viewed himself as a running back and a wide receiver so he wanted to set the market at a certain price to help out his fellow you know teammates or running backs yeah he helped them out all right he realized how expendable they were when they didn't play and the Steelers uh just dumped into James Conner who had what thousand yards and 12 or 14 touchdowns and Le'Veon Bell took a nosedive really quickly mm-hmm. and it really I think expedited the process of really considering these guys are expendable I mean if you're if these guys are sitting on online complaining about the contracts on getting, give me a solution right now. Running backs get paid more. Running backs have to. I mean, what? There is no solution here. You get paid what you're worth. That, that, you know how much you're worth. How much you get paid. Mm. And teams don't view running backs that way anymore. I mean, I don't know what to tell you. I mean, I feel bad for the guys. They're getting paid, you know, the minimum and have to run through stuff like that, you know, and have to put their bodies at risk like that. Maybe this has more of a trickle-down effect, Chris, five, ten years from now when the high school coach says, we want you to be a running back. and <laughs> No. <laughs> corner. I'll be the corner. I'll be the right. safety. It might end up turning into. But put it this way, as long as this game's going to be going on, Chris, somebody's going to be willing to be get paid hundreds of thousands of dollars even though they might not even though they might be worth more to play that position because not a lot of jobs in America pays that type of money you know what is it nine hundred thousand dollars for a minimum I know you're hurting your body but everybody's hurting their body right there I, I don't know if you come up with a solution Chris let the NFLPA know because I don't have a solution right now. Well, one thing that Alan talked about, and I thought this was a good idea, and other people have, have mentioned it uh, you know, out there in the, the media landscape, but the idea of you know, maybe running backs kind of get lumped in with other positions when it comes to their franchise tags, increasing their value and, and move, moving forward. Um, and I think that's where you can find different ways for maybe there's just different rates for which running backs get paid. In, in the NFL if they're because they just naturally have a shorter lifespan. Like for example, everybody's going to complain then, right? I agree. It's going to open up a Pandora's box, but I think, I think running backs, you could look at like a quarterback, a quarterback, a lot of quarterbacks. If you're good, you can last the NFL as long as you want because they, you don't get touched. Kickers can last the NFL as long as you want. Receivers got like 12, like 10 to 12 years if, if they if they really wanted to. Um, you know, cor- corners can last a long time. Safeties can last a long time. Linemen, that's another group that I think could could be like, hey, you know, the top linemen can last you 10, 15 years, but a lot of linemen get beat up really fast and are out in three to four years, and they take the most abuse. So, like, there's gripes there. I agree with you there. But I do think that the running backs do have a point because they are very important to the game. Like as much as some, you know, there are people out there that say running backs don't matter. Uh, okay, well, tell it to some of the teams that need their running backs to be able to keep them to survive. If you have Patrick Mahomes and you can win with Isaiah Pacheco, great, awesome. But there's only a, like one Patrick Mahomes and a few other receivers out there who who can who can make the or actually quarterbacks out there, excuse me, that can make their team that good. And that's where I think that the NFL does need to look at something because, like you said, I do think there will be a point where. 
players at high school or in college will just be like, I'm not being a running back because that's not how I'm going to get paid if I want to be long term, have a longer time, longer term uh, career in the NFL. I see, I don't feel, I, don't, I really don't feel bad for the running backs or the the higher echelon ones because they're getting paid four years of decent money because they're probably higher draft picks. They're getting a, a fifth year option, which is a significant amount of money, and they could get franchise tag twice which is a significant amount of money when it all comes down to they can make decent money being a running back and only playing six seven years that next level is where you know it's probably is not quite fair the guy that's not quite good enough to be a a first round pick the guy that's not quite good enough to have the franchise tag where you're getting paid you know 1.5 million bucks or whatever it is and that's the issue but once you start changing different companies uh, compensation for different period for different positions. I mean, you, you first of all, the league would never go. I mean, the reason why the league's doing this is because it, it, they want value for their buck, and they're not getting mm-hmm. value in their eyes for a running back that's uh, can be expendable. Like I said, you got two of those three guys, uh, at least with Saquon Barkley. Are you willing to give him a ton of money when he missed a year and a half? With a knee injury, with another one coming, he maybe his career is over. No, um, do you give uh, maybe well, it's something I, to do with guaranteed think, money? Maybe you give him more guaranteed money. I don't know. Uh, earlier on in their career, so you know they're they're more set financially. I mean, maybe there's something like that, but then you have to open up, you know, every other position. So I just don't think it's going to. Ha- I don't think there's nothing can be done. I'll say this too, and I agree with you. This the NFL, like first of all, like the NFL PA has proven to be a not strong union that can push the NFL to do anything. So the NFL, if they put their foot down, they're like, suck it up, running backs. That's just what's going to happen. You know, until the players all unify and strike for a long period of time and hit the NFL in the pocketbooks, this will this it doesn't matter. I mean, the players said they didn't want more Thursday night football games. Guess what they got? More Thursday night football games. They said they didn't want a 17 game season. Guess what they got? A 17 game season. The owners do what they want because the players won't stand up to them as, as a union. I think that's a huge part of this conversation there. Um, uh, so that will be an ongoing thing. But I want to get Mark's thoughts as training camp approaches. It's next week. I want to get Mark's thoughts on players that he's looking at specifically to stand out, stand out in training camp. We'll do that in a minute here on the Locked On Steelers podcast. I'm your host, Chris Carter. We'll be right back. Back here in the Lockdown Steelers podcast, I'm your host Chris Carter here with Mark Caboli of the Athletic. Mark, you've been. What training camp number will this be for you? Wow, staying up there full time basis would be since '03. Wow, twenty. This this is your twentieth training camp. Well, minus the two COVID. Minus COVID, yeah, but still. uh, Yeah, they're just getting worse and worse. I'm getting older and older. One of the two. They're not fun anymore. They were fun when I was a youngster. Now it's like, oh, I complain about the bed. I complain about the heat. I already look, Chris. First day they arrive on that Wednesday. Yeah. Then they they put the they practice the next day. It's supposed to be ninety two, and I'm like, oh, you got to be kidding me. Ninety two degrees. <laughs> it's going to be a hot one. And if you're out there, hit us up. By the way, because we appreciate uh, hit us up here. If you hit up at Carter Critiques, I'm always down to hang out with and, and meet up with fans who come who come out to Latrobe because we know that's a special thing. But uh, Mark, getting your insight on this year's training camp with all the ones that you've been to, 
who are the players that you're looking at most to see how they perform this year? And not like just like the obvious ones, like obviously everyone's going to look at Broderick Jones, but is there like other players that you have your eyes on and say like this guy could be the surprise, like everyone talks about him guy at training camp? Well, usually when you talk about that, you talk about a younger guy, right? Yeah. Um, but I already mentioned this guy. I'm really was impressed with what I saw from Allen Robinson, who's mm. not a young guy. He's 29. He's been around the league once or twice. But I think he's just going to fit in perfectly with his offense. I think he'll be able to play a slot a lot. I think they'll move him around like they do all their wide receivers. And I think he just brings a different dynamic, not only to the offense, but to the locker room as well as a veteran type of guy. I know the name Cotri, Jericho Cotri, has been thrown out there a lot. I mean, it's a little different. I mean, they were signed him late in the process of training camp, and he ended up having a dozen touchdowns or something. But somebody like that, I really am interested in seeing how he's able to, to play. Of course, I mean, the first thing you're looking at is that left tackle. I mean, is Broderick Jones, when does he get that first team reps? Or anybody anybody in the in the trenches, Chris? Because mm-hmm. we didn't see anything at OTAs or many camps. We didn't. These guys can play. It shows them they can work on their sets and their hand placement and all that stuff. But once you get smacked upside the mouth, all of a sudden things change once in a while. So Keanu Benton's the guy. Mm-hmm. You, know, you hear tons about him. He's fast. He's quick. He's powerful. But, you know, when he gets double teamed by maybe Mason Cole and Isaac Samalo, then what happens? You know, I want to see stuff like that. Um, I want to see if Joey Porter can sit on an island and out there and just cover some of the best guys as well because he has a legit shot to be the opening day starter as well. And another thing is I'm saying I'm guessing Cole Holcomb because mm. we didn't see very a lot from him, and it's a totally new position of new players. Obviously, they thought a lot of him, and you hear that he may have went – for more money on the open market if he wasn't dealing with that foot injury. Let's see if he's a three-down guy. Let's see how mm-hmm. fast he can do. Let's see if he can cover better than the Splains, the Bushes, Robinsons, all those guys. So there's a couple guys right there just off the top of my head I, I like to see. Obviously, Calvin Austin, where's he fit in? Darnell Washington, can he make that? I mean, he, he wasn't great in camp. I mean, there's a lot being thrown at him. Mm-hmm. He was 100%. He dropped a lot of balls, but he got a little bit better as it went on. Where can he fit in other than, you know, third and short, you know, short yardage situations? I, I can't wait to be able to see that as well. I mean, there's so many little things, Chris. Mm-hmm. The safety position, where's K- K- KZ and Neil? Where's Keanu Neil fit in there? Does he mm-hmm. come down at the line of scrimmage? Does he fill that role of, uh, you know, almost a hybrid linebacker at times? Um, Marcus Golden looks spectacular in in OTAs. Can that can once again once somebody puts a helmet in his chest, does that all of a sudden change? There's just a lot of little things, and of course, Kenny Pickett. Come on, let's see how he actually goes into a training camp, the man, and how he conducts himself. I'm pretty sure we all know how that's going to be at least on that end. Let's see if he can actually perform as well as he can lead i think he's a good leader great leader and and it won't be an issue there but can he perform off of that so a lot of boring stuff that me you'll be looking at chris but maybe not the masses care very much i I, i'll ask you this about Allen robinson because you you seem very high on him 
Do you see him? If would you compare him to maybe like a Jericho Cotri at what he was to like the 2013 Steelers when he came in? Yeah, just a little bit. Yeah, very similar, but Cotri was never one of those down the field guys when True. he was with the Jets. I mean, Robinson last year was just totally not only out of position. He wasn't out of position. He didn't have the quarterback to get in the ball. They they used three or four quarterbacks there. Then he got hurt, but he put up some big numbers in Chicago and Jacksonville. Usually that was outside going down the field. I don't think that's going to be the role at all this year. I think his role is going to be more possession type receiver, red zone type of receiver. And I was impressed with everything I saw from him. So I think there's going to be a little bit of a change in what they're asking him to do from what he has done in the past. And that's fine. He's a smart guy. He's been around six, seven years. He can handle that slot guy. I don't know if he can handle running past people on the outside. So, are you go, am I going to be – if I'm a linebacker, do I want to cover Allen Robinson in the slot? Probably not. Probably not. So, you're probably going to have to have a safety there. I think that's going to be interesting as well. And look for Fryermuth too. He is due for a monster season. I, I think so, too. Monster season if, you know, he's able to not be dinged up. He's been dinged up a couple of years with the ankle and the – concussions i mean everything seems in place for a nice run here and that's what actually worries me about this team (laughs) it just worries me you're thinking okay all the depths there all the all the battles are you know you have battles where guys get better you got the depth in place you got talent you got the defensive stars there has to be something if we're going to go back and look at okay it's a punter's hang time going to be I mean, there has to be something here. And that's what I'm a little bit worried about. It almost seems like it's coming together too quickly for me that they need to level off a little bit before they make that next jump. I don't know. Maybe it's just the the old man in me yelling at clouds, but I don't know. Well, you're you're one of the Steelers beat writers who's been around co- covering it for a while. It's what is it, twentieth training camp that, that 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 you've that you've covered. So you know, I think you have a lot of experience to say that. I remember back in the day when you were in suits on the 93-degree uh, foot. Listen, that was one time when I came from my law firm because I was ordered to come to practice, and I couldn't. I didn't have a change of clothes, so I had to come in my suit because I had no other clothes. Thank you, Mark Caboli, for reminding me of how I sweat through that. I, I, I definitely have that on my phone somewhere, and I might have to tweet that. Don't tweet it, please. I, oh, that, so that was this. It was, oh, God, I, I hate you so much. Anyways, he's Mark Caboli of The Athletic. Uh, you can always find his his work there at Mark Caboli. Thanks again, Mark, for joining us here on the Locked on Steelers podcast. We'll have you again as we get throughout the year and we start to get more sites at training camp. Stay tuned. Remember, this episode was, was is, is for Wednesday. Our next episodes are going to be very are going to be pre-recorded. So if any news happens this week, I'm on vacation. So give me a break. Uh, but uh, well, we'll see everyone service soon. But we still will have Thursday and Friday episodes. We've got Josh Taylor back on the show and Jenna Harner on the show as well to finish out the week. Thanks again to Mark. Thank you all for checking out the Lockdown Steelers podcast. Find us on your favorite podcasting apps and on YouTube Monday through Friday. Like uh, like this video if you enjoy it. Subscribe to this channel for all of our episodes. We'll see you again tomorrow here on the Lockdown Steelers podcast. <laughs>